This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. All right, welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty podcast, week two of the 2004 season. Uh, not going to lie, this was one of the games I just had no memory of. And rewatching it, you can kind of see why. Um, but we have with me today Steve Brown, the best brother, maybe? Oh, definitely the most consistent In podcast brother. terms, yes, yes. I would say yes. the best brother. Greg Brown is um, babysitting repeat uh, guest in his desk connor yeah we'll just call him connor yeah um so he's babysitting so he can't be here for this um but steve you have brought a friend along yeah i keep finding friends from other teams so we have uh our buddy jared joining us who's a big arizona cardinals fan so he's the the proud yeah he is the big arizona cardinals fan (laughs) the only one i know (laughs) shocking Well, Jared, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to kind of step outside of, you know, you know, your comfort zone and join another team's podcast. This will be a first for me. So <laughs> excited to get into the weeds with you and explain to Pat's Nation that we're not the biggest joke of a franchise that everyone thinks we are. Uh, we're in the same division as the Bills, so we, we're on your side yeah. on that one. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> you should see Bills fans right now. They are living their best life because they won the AFC East for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. And they don't know what to do with it. It's fantastic. I'm sure there's a comp to how us and Phoenix are as Suns fans about how we just defeated the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. And I'm sure Lakers oh. fans are looking at us very similarly, <laughs> similarly to how you guys look at Bills fans. So I kind of empathize a little bit with them. But everyone in Boston's happy about that. So go Phoenix, go Suns, go everybody. And go everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. So, um, Jared, just to get an idea of, uh, I guess, how did you become a Cardinals fan? Is probably the well, to, question on my mind. Yeah. Well, to start, I'm born and raised in Phoenix. Um, and the Cardinals arrived from St. Louis when I was two years old. They, they came to uh, the Valley of the Sun, played at Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah. Uh, my parents, big football fans. My mom uh, grew up in Chicago, so she uh, was. Uh, we we're coming off a few years past, uh, a few years ahead of the Cardinals coming to Arizona. We watched the Chicago Bears in the one of the greatest, you know, f- seasons ever from a football team. And then uh, my dad is from New York, um, but was not a Giants or Jets fan. He had a lot of family in Miami, so you guys won't oh. be pleased to know that he's. A, <laughs> He actually was a, a Dolphins fan. Um, a Jets fan or a Giants fan. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I think it's way better personally. But yes. um, so, you know, a lot of us in Arizona still to this day, there isn't really a true, you know, contingent of people who are from Phoenix. Mm. There's just, you know, my generation and younger is really the first, you know, full-fledged you know, bigger population of people who are actually from the Phoenix or from Arizona, like Phoenix area. So you got to have a hodgepodge of random people that'll come through. So I'm sure you guys 
when you watch this game back, you heard how many New England Patriots fans were in oh, yeah. Sun Devil Stadium that day. That was like that every single week of the season. And so the Cardinals moved into their new stadium. But how did I become a Cardinals fan? I was, you know, born and raised in Arizona. My dad and mom were big football fans and they jumped in on season tickets uh, immediately oh. because they were NFL fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, they, they stuck with it. I grew up going to those games in Sun Devil Stadium. I will say that this game in particular being 89 degrees in September, like talk about like golden opportunity for the Patriots <laughs> to give you some perspective. We had, uh, we set a record last year for most consecutive days over 110 degrees oh in Phoenix last year. And it ble- I know. Right. And it bled into October of last year so it's so for it to be 89 degrees in september for the patriots it was basically like a, a nice little vacation the um but, said, Ooh, 109 on the field unseasonably cool <laughs> no really though like that was yeah. a thing like like you'd have guys passing out like on the sidelines because when you were kicking off at f- like two o'clock on a sunday at sun devil stadium and it was Outside, it was a you know 105 degrees out on the field with no roof or no uh, no way to hide from the sun. It was it would touch down to like 125, 130, and they were full pads. Like it's just brutal. So right. and of course the Cardinals um, are wearing their they're all whites, which they wore white at home all the time. Yeah, which used to piss Cowboys fans off because you know the Cowboys prefer to wear white. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so yeah, so I, think I grew does up the same thing actually. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they it, just to, to help with the heat. So mm-hmm. um, I'm one of the few, the proud local born and raised in Phoenix. I am extremely loyal to uh, local teams. Right. And um, and up until, you know, maybe the last decade, the Cardinals didn't really give a lot to root for. Um, but actually, to give you a little launching pad into this game in this season, hmm. the draft class going into this season easily the best draft class in the history of the Phoenix slash Arizona Cardinals. And I would argue maybe a top 50 draft class ever in NFL history. Uh, We could have that debate for another day, but (laughs) you're looking at, you're looking at, you know, four guys, three guys that made multiple pro bowls, four guys that got big time contracts, a plug and play starting center uh, right out of the gates. So it was it was it was kind of a launch pad for the core team that made it to their first Super Bowl, you know, several years later against the Steelers. Right. So because this was uh, the Larry Fitzgerald draft. Is the yep, big, it was. Big, it was. This whole class was stacked because they were talking about how they skipped over Rivers and Roethlisberger to draft Fitzgerald. Right. Yeah. So, so, that, so that was going to be my question. Yeah. How do you feel about that? So there's a whole story behind this. Um, if you if you want to go back to the week 17, the year before, the Cardinals were playing against the Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. And the Vikings, if they win, they're in the playoffs. If oh. they lose, they somehow are out. The Cardinals had literally nothing to play for other than if they lose, they get the number one pick and they can draft Eli Manning. And at the time, you guys remember what Peyton Manning was in the NFL because oh, yeah. you guys had the rivalry going. Oh, getting, yeah. Peyton's, getting Peyton's brother was a big deal. And so Josh McCown in his first, you know, opportunity really in that stretch of games to be a starter, um, the Cardinals stay around and they end up throwing the, uh, the Hail Mary to Nate Poole in the back of the end zone, the force out play to win the game. It knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. It, it 
basically ended the Culpeper Moss mm -hmm. era in yeah, Minnesota. Um, because what Moss not sh shortly later went over to Oakland before he went and played with you guys. Nice. And then, you know, Dante Culpepper was never the same. So it basically ended that great stretch of Vikings teams. I was actually at that game and it was very, con it was very conflicting because everyone there, <laughs> everyone, like, like even the Vikings fans that were trying to talk smack to us all game, we were just like, we don't really care. Cause we're going to get Eli and then we'll yeah. beat you next year. You know, like, <laughs> so what transpires is they lose the number one pick and which in the most Cardinals fashion, they yeah. would pull out a remarkable game ending Hail Mary play. Yeah. But the result of it isn't to go anywhere or do anything with it. It was actually had an adverse effect. Yeah. But if you remember correctly, even if they got the number one pick, you know, Eli Manning didn't want to play for San Diego. San Diego had the number one pick yeah. in the draft that year. And there was that big deal that they wanted to swap with the giants exactly. um, because the Manning family wasn't going to play in San Diego. Well, yeah. if he wasn't going to play in San Diego, he sure as hell wasn't going to play in Phoenix. <laughs> right. That's so, true. so the way I look at it is um, yeah. Missing out on Eli because of a hail Mary ended up being unfortunate. Philip rivers ended up having a phenomenal career, but, Larry Fitzgerald is is going down as the the greatest athlete in the history of Arizona sports. Mm. And and maybe that's not saying much for some, but he's one of the greatest wide receivers ever to suit it up. And in fact, you could argue that if he actually had a, a competent quarterback for a good ever? chunk of his career, yeah. Yeah. Um, he would be smashing Jerry Rice's records right now. Um, he's not that far off from some of them, but but if he had had actual, not Kevin Cobb throwing to him for a number of years, <laughs> Josh McCann and all the, 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 the who's who's of quarterbacks that aren't named Kurt Warner or Carson Palmer, right. you could argue that he would be smashing Jerry Rice's records and could be going down as the greatest wide receiver ever to play the game. So I absolutely no regrets. I think if you asked any Cardinals fan, they would be thrilled to end up with Larry over either of those quarterbacks. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's going to be sad, you know, as, as they're recording this podcast, he hasn't announced if he's retiring yet, but uh, yeah. a, a lot of signs point to he's going to, but, um, but who knows, he might be back. There's a rumor right now, every right? year in new England that he's going to sign with the Patriots, but we're going to trade for him every it year. Was, well, now, every year. Uh, yeah. Every year. Like now years. that rumor, now that rumor is that he's going to end up on the bucks with Bruce right. Arians. Um, exactly. But uh, yeah, there was that rumor for a long time, ever since they did that Randy Moss experiment. Right. Mm -hmm. And they guys, they set incredible records throwing, you know, with the Brady Moss relationship, but, right. but looking at that draft class, like Carlos Dansby, Pro Bowl linebacker, Darnell Dockett was, is, is, and it was an incredible D tackle, even though he's yeah. a nut job. Uh, Stepanovich <laughs> was a, a, the fourth round pick. He was started week one at center and Antonio Smith was a huge piece on that team that made that run to the Super Bowl um, mm -hmm. that played the Steelers and ended up getting a huge contract with the Texans and had an, a, a great career, career with them too. So this draft class was insanely good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so it's just, you look back at this team and it's just interesting to recall that, that group. Yeah. I think this draft in general, we look back on it and yeah, it's like the, the first round of this draft had, like almost all pro bowlers. It was ridiculous. Like the whole draft was completely. That being said, like the starting defense for the Cardinals in this game, I was like, there's so many nobodies on here. And they had those eyes. They just got them. So they weren't even starting yet. Yeah. But they were good. Yeah. yeah. This Gerald defense seemed like it was the strength of this team too, though. 
It was. I mean, Adrian Wilson is going to be like in the ring of honor for the Cardinals if he, you know, isn't already great safety. I know he had a tough year with you guys at the end of his career, but yeah. he's he he's he's an all time great, you know, from Cardinal standpoint. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kyle Vandenbosch, you know, was a really good defensive end for the Cardinals who came mm-hmm. from that Nebraska program, the Black Shirts. Uh, Dwayne Starks won a Super Bowl with the with the Ravens, um, and uh, you know, I already mentioned Docket Dansby and Antonio Smith. Um, and even Ronald McKinnon, who played middle linebacker, had a really good NFL career. So this defense was really good. The problem was they just weren't good against the run. And I think you guys saw that in the very first quarter uh, with Corey Dillon running wild. <laughs> no. um, that that the, pro- the problem was they couldn't get themselves off the field because stopping the run was tough. Their, their, yeah. their pass defense was really good. And the pressure they'd get on quarterbacks was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they couldn't stop the run. And that was the problem with that team this year. Yeah, and uh, that even the um, the announcers at the beginning of the game, when the Patriots first got on the field, uh, said something about how the the one of the Arizona linebackers was like, "Oh, we're gonna we're focusing on stopping the run, uh, so they're just not gonna be able to run it." And then <laughs> I think uh, Dylan had like thirty one yards on that first drive alone. Alone had fifty one by the end of the first quarter. He's like. Mm. He ended with Maybe not. 32 carries, 158 yards. Which and he should have had a touchdown. They got called back on an absolute bullshit penalty. Yeah, which they called <laughs> twice, but we'll save the referee. Good day for fantasy managers, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Back in 2004. Yeah, Corey Dillon, what a pluck. You know, a, another one of those guys that you know, the Patriots have gotten for years that you just get, you know, after they have some great careers with bad teams and just grab them to have a couple more great years before they sail off into the sunset. (laughs) Should have been Julio. All right. Should have been Fitzgerald. (laughs) Right. We talked about Fitzgerald. Yep. No doubt. But yeah, they actually said that uh, when he went over 150, that this was the eighth time in his career that he had a game with at least 150 yards. They also Just, said he had the Cardinals. Yeah, or maybe it was, yeah, it was the Cardinals gash for like two hundred and twenty yards once. Yeah, uh, two sixteen when he was with yeah, the yeah when he was with the Bengals. I remember that game. He set records. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There's. I think there's a few of those uh, records that have Cardinals defenses on the other side of it. But <laughs> I mean, I, it's either that or the Browns. Because uh, who was it that we 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 did a Browns game last it's year? Priest Holmes. Just Priest uh, Holmes. It may have been. I thought it was the Ravens guy um, back back in those days. Who was it, Steve? I don't even know what you're trying to get. Jamal Adam, Jamal, uh, what's his name? Lewis. Yeah, and I think the the Browns linebacker the day before said I did like called him up, called up Jamal Lewis, and said I dare you to run it. Um, we're going to be on you all day, and was like trash talking him. And so then Jamal Lewis the next day ran for like 250 yards on them. Yeah. He ran for 200 yards in both games against the Browns that season. Yeah. Just doubling down after going down 200 yards. Yeah. Tough look. What stood out to me watching this game, though, is just a reminder of some of the random ass wide receivers that were on the Patriots that just had great careers for just the Patriots and then no one else. David Patton, Deion Branch, like – that was that was back at the time where it was like, how are they able to even move the ball with these guys who are barely, you know, six feet tall and don't look yeah. like they're the fastest guys in the world either? Just it doesn't it does it defies science with it does, with yeah. the success that they had. It was all scheme. They had that. Although in this game, offense. neither of those guys did any. <laughs> I think uh, 
Branch got hurt on what may have been the play of the game, just from like a a podcast perspective, I guess, where uh, the Patriots get the ball back at... um, Oh, so actually, no, the drive before, there's like a few seconds left, and the Cardinals are going for a field goal. It's like a 57-yard field goal. Yeah, because Neil Rackers has already kicked two, one from 51, one from 52. And so this one's 58. They're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's give it a shot. You tried it out there. tried it, and it got blocked. So the Patriots have the ball at like the 40-yard line. And they're like, all right, let's try it. And so they tried like the quick screenplay to try to like get a few yards, see if they get in uh, um, field goal range. And it was dropped by, I think it was David Gibbons. And uh, David Givens, there's another good name yeah, that exactly. would do nothing on any other team. He got right. hurt. Hey, come on. He went to the Redskins and got hurt. That's my guy. So I didn't, okay. didn't go to the Titans. Sorry, Steve. The Titans. Um, but uh, yeah, so the field goal gets blocked. The pass get the ball and they run one play and they think the, the half is over. And so everybody starts like filing off the field and the ref's like, no, no, no. There's one second left. So everybody has to file back on the field because, you know, refs are dickheads. And then um, the page was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're doing a Hail Mary. So they throw a Hail Mary and it looked like the play was actually supposed to be David Givens jumps up and bats it back down to Troy Brown, weirdly. And it almost worked, except it got intercepted by uh, a Cardinal linebacker. I don't, I don't remember who it was. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm returning this. So he takes off downfield and tries to return it. And uh, this is probably a good time to introduce commentators Don Cricky and Steve Tasker. I'd say that the JV team, but I don't know what's lower than that because he's got well, we're used. To, we're, can we while you introduce him? Can we talk about how when they intro Dwayne Starks in the starting lineup, Steve Tasker calls says Dwayne Starks played for the won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Colts in two thousand and two. That that was a that was a worth making note of for me. Uh, Cardinals fans are used to the B, C, and D teams when it comes to telecasts. So um, this, this a lot of the times, of the barrel. yeah, a lot of times you mute. Um, especially when Cardinals are on CBS beat teams, because not very often does the CBS teams, you know, groups go and do NFC games. Um, oh, right, yeah. So, uh, and that goes back <laughs> decades now. So it was, uh, there was a few of those where it was like, what is he even talking about right now? I thought they were good. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> scrambles. they couldn't even, uh, agree on how to pronounce Josh McCown's name. Oh, yeah. They did mispronounce his name a lot. Oh, but the, and then they go back to the right pronunciation. Then they go back to McCowan. Yeah. McCowan. Where are you getting the E from? As every, he's been playing for 30 years. Of course, you know how to say his name. This is like Josh McCown's third start. But they got yeah. it right. And then they went off of it to McCowan. And then they went back to McCown. Either way. So he's what? scrambling, right? He's rolling out right. He's got nothing. Just throw the ball away. He's like, nope. It's third and nine. I have nine yards to go. There's five guys that are probably going to try and do it anyways. And they say, well, you have to admire his courage, if not his discretion. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Right. Yeah. But yeah. so uh, during this return, I'll get to go back to the, the Hail Mary play, this, this linebacker size, he's going to run probably like 110 yards, try to score a touchdown. Um, and for some reason, I don't know like what happened off the play or whatever it was, because the way that they had the the view of it was like from the back of the end zone, like running out of, away from the camera. And all of a sudden, you see Dion Branch running back to go catch the guy. And all of a sudden, one of the Patriots' offensive linemen comes hammering out of like diving from off screen and just clips Dion Branch at the knees, and he goes up and over and lands directly on his back. It looks super hard. 
And commentators at this point, uh, I think it was probably Steve Tasker, was bullshit about how it was an illegal block. Completely missing the fact that it was his own teammate, so it was not a block. He was like, that should be a penalty. Like, yeah, they called the other penalty. That should be a penalty, too. Until he finally, I think somebody must have told him or something at the at the fourth quarter when they were showing it, like as the game was wrapping up and they're doing the highlights. So maybe this is by no means uh, allowing, you know, uh, saying that that's okay from a commentary standpoint. Has someone who's spent time in the press box at Sun Devil Stadium, it is really high up there. Like it is, (laughs) it is a really tall press box. And I'm sure with technology back in 2004, the monitors that they were looking at were probably the size of, you know, maybe the small screen that we're looking at to see each other. That isn't the main screen. So in the moment, I can see where maybe he could have made that error until seeing the replay. But the fact that he stuck with it after seeing the replay should 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 ruin the competency of this this group right here. Darren, stop. Stop trying to reason with Andy on commentators data. <laughs> well, the problem is the problem is I am before I got into the world I'm in now and how Steve and I know each other is in the golf world. Um, I was in the media and broadcasting for about 10 years. Oh, wow. And so I worked, I worked, you know, behind the scenes and, and part of TV productions. And some of those were at Sun Devil Stadium for, yeah. for random games. So, but, but, but Steve Tasker calling you know, the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Colts was a, was an all, it was a good one for me. Right. When I heard him say that, I was like, Oh, this is going to be a great game. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a good one. Then after, <laughs> after the Patriots scored their first touchdown halfway through the first quarter, uh, they go to Steve and his, his uh, pearls of wisdom were, Oh, Arizona's going to have to start throwing the ball to catch up. Like, bro, you're down seven points. It's seven nothing <laughs> in the first quarter. I think you can stick to your game plan still. Yep. Yep. No doubt. No you're doubt. Very worried about that too. But uh. and but you know and and you know maybe maybe Denny Green hurt him because what Josh McCown started throwing it like crazy and threw a couple picks not not mm-hmm. long after that. Um, Josh McCown that season got a really quick hook. You know, for a guy oh, that really. had such a long NFL career. Um, with so many teams, you would have thought that with how much Denny Green didn't like the guy, that he wouldn't have made it past that season. Uh, they ended up going to Sean King. Remember, he played with oh, the yeah. Tampa oh, Bay right. Buccaneers for a while after Trent yeah. Dilfer. Um, Denny Green went to Sean King for a majority of that season. Um, Josh McCown got the quick hook. Cardinal career ended, and his incredible career with just about every NFL team happened uh, <laughs> kind of a la Ryan Fitzpatrick now. Um Right. Uh, right. Came from there. Yeah. Yeah, Josh McCown on this season, uh, 2,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He wasn't that bad. He was kind of, a, he was kind of talented. Problem was Cardinals had a horrible offensive line. You know, it was the Cowboys that discovered that Leonard Davis would be better at playing guard than at tackle. Uh-huh. Uh, but they, they wrote out Leonard Davis, who was a former top five pick out of Texas at tackle. Um, for years and he was i think among the league leaders in false starts and oh. he was just covering the blind side of these quarterbacks and they just had no chance yeah it did seem that way yeah mike Vrabel coming off that end every time we even can we spend some t- go ahead steve the cardinals uh touchdown score in this game probably the most famous name in the game except for tom brady well, mr emmett talked about it 
didn't you? I don't even really remember him being on the Cardinals. Definitely Emmett if you Smith. said Emmett Smith as a Cardinal scores a touchdown in the game against the Patriots, you go, are you sure? That sounds like yeah. So, yeah, Emmett Smith, uh, he was a, one of many professional athletes who, like many, like to retire coming to the state of uh, the, the state of Arizona. <laughs> a lot of professional athletes like to move to Arizona to finish their careers uh, ahead of their retirement. There's a long list of people in, across all professional sports, you know, the Suns, the Diamondbacks, the Cardinals mm-hmm. have had more than their fair share. Uh, but the Emmett Smith era was weird because everyone hated him here. <laughs> Really? Uh, the Cardinals and the Cardinals and Cowboys up until a few years before that were in the same division. When the Cardinals first moved to the Valley, they did not take them out of the NFC East. Right. It wasn't until I think the late nineties that they finally two, wasn't it? Yeah. I, 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 forgive me. I don't remember the the, same time they did the realignment with everything. The Patriots had the same idea. Yeah. 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 they did that whole realignment to where you see it, how it is today. But that was, it was within a few years, like you said, maybe 2002 that, you know, the Cardinals were no longer in the same division as the Cowboys. And I, I have PTSD of going to Sun Devil stadium and having to deal with Cowboys fans. They're the worst in, in all of sports, in my opinion. And so I can do Boston fans. I know one wearing a shirt that is just literally a collage of Tom Brady's face all over it. Yeah. Yeah. I I, know. I don't have anything against Boston teams. So maybe (laughs) if I was around Boston, you know, teams more, that might be different. I was around Cowboys fans growing up and they're just the worst. So all of a sudden Emmett Smith pulls up and in most cases you'd think getting an all time great coming to your team would be an exciting thing. But, but a lot of people here were pretty lukewarm about it because no one liked Emmett Smith. And then he came here and averaged three yards a carry in this final year of his career. Um, and uh, sure, he had that nice touchdown in this game, you know, the first to get the Cardinals on board and I'm sure it got everyone excited, but, uh, but it, it was a, a definitely a, a, a little era to forget. And I think even Emmett Smith forgot it when he gave his Hall of Fame acceptance speech, too. I don't remember a shout out to the Cardinals in that speech. (laughs) He had almost a thousand yards, nine touchdowns. Yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised. surprised Yeah. Yeah. It's just the volume, the sheer volume. They had no one else to to get the rock to. I mean, that's that's true. true. He had more. That's still impressive. He was pretty old at this point, and he played all, he played 15 games. 267 yeah. carries. That's a worst. His 15th season as a running back. That's Whoa. that's Frank Gore esque. Yeah, yep, it was no also doubt. at this point averaging probably three yards a carry. So, <laughs> yeah, yep. it was three. It was around three yards per carry for for Emmett that season. And <laughs> and you know you could have blamed the offensive line, but there was a lot of games where it looked like he was still trying to channel that running through the tackles, you yeah. know, between the guards types of runs that were maybe two steps slow as opposed to one step slow at that point in his career. Yeah, you saw and in he this just, game where he's just like running into the back of his yeah. lineman and stuff. And you just, yeah, it mm-hmm. didn't look like the same. Didn't have that burst. It definitely disappeared. Not at all. His defense is a beast this year. Yeah. Yep. So when are we, when do we get talk about to talk about my boy, Teddy Bruschi? Oh, one of the, right. one of the, one of the first of, you know, many Arizona wildcats yeah, that have say, come yeah to have great careers. I went to college with Gronk. Feel free to ask questions wow. about that too. Okay. I was, I'm a couple of years older than him, but we were there at the same time. So we can, we can go down that path, but if you want to start with Teddy Bruschi, I, I, I was hoping we would talk about him a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, Teddy Bruschi is 
Well, him and Rodney Harrison are the heart of this defense and were for this entire first half of the dynasty, I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a guy who comes back from having a hole in his heart and having a miss a season and then decides, you know what? Yeah, no, let's, let's go back to playing football, especially in the style that he does, which a lot of people have like specific images of him in their mind when you think of Teddy Bruschi. Mine is him coming in on a blitz and trying to like dive headfirst over the, yes. the um, running back trying to pick him up and basically just being upside down in the quarterback's face, like legs first, yeah. trying to tackle him with his knees, like back of his knees. And that's wow. like, that's who Teddy Bruschi is to me. Like he's just. Yeah. So the U of A football team, like the Arizona Cardinals, isn't known for a, a, a pristine history of or tradition of excellence. Right. Uh, but the years that he was there, they had a defense that was called the Desert Swarm. And they were oh, one of the name. classic. You can go Google right now the Sports Illustrated cover issue with Teddy Bruschi. Um, that also included Chris, uh, was it Chris McAllister? There's a couple other guys. It started a run of Arizona defenses that even though the teams never made it to like the Rose Bowl or won a conference championship, were regularly ranked and were among the best in the country. It was kind of like a, a model. They had a style of play and a model. They were kind of becoming known like, the Nebraska black shirts were in college football and Teddy Bruschi was one of the pioneers of that era. And so he, to this day is one of the most beloved alumni of the football program. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, they did a, a, a history, uh, was it a 25 year history anniversary of the desert swarm team? Maybe it was longer than that. And the team on homecoming wore the uniforms that they wore that year. And Teddy Bruschi's jersey was the one they were selling uh, online to commemorate that anniversary. Yeah, so, um, mean mugging in this picture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, t- that hair. Oh, he looks great. Maybe, maybe when we're done or maybe for your audience, you can tell them to YouTube desert swarm highlights. Cause that defense, the way you described the way he played in the NFL was the way that whole defense played in college and him included. And, um, some of the best highlights that the football program has ever had. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great yeah. picture. Well, I'll have to make sure that. Uh, so really, though, what what? thanks for Nikhil Harry. What the fuck? <laughs> he, so, no, he's a sun devil, okay? You, like many on the East Coast, don't pay attention to us out here <laughs> and don't realize, you know, Bristol, Connecticut gets this wrong on the regular and we always make fun of it. They'll put the U of A logo with Arizona State next to it or vice versa. Nikhil Harry played for Arizona State, but I know Nikhil since he was in eighth grade. Really? He, uh, he, wow. yeah, he's a, he's a local Phoenix product and uh, it, it, it's sad for me because to, to, to see him being known as someone who is soft is just so not on brand for what I watched him in high school and what I watched out of him at the college level. Um, it's, it's kind of bizarre for me. Um, cause he is a, a special talent, uh, coming up out of high school, one of the top ranked 
wide receivers on the West Coast, was getting recruited by everybody, had a great career at ASU, even though I'm not an ASU fan. Um, but to see what he has turned into at the pro level, to be honest, is very surprising. And I'm pretty pretty taken back by it. Not a guy that I expected to, to have a, a tough career. I mean, honestly, it might be coaching here. He just doesn't take Belichick style because we've seen it. It's not everybody's cup yeah. of tea. And just the, the yeah. learning that offense is... Yeah, yeah. And Brady at the end of his career is super demanding too yeah yep i can see it i can see it uh, but done though you know you never know yeah oh yeah you know he maybe it just takes one season he's got the physical gifts right. and the talent um the speed for his size yeah. so you know you never know you never know what what can happen but it is pretty disappointing to see what what it's turned into um but there was at one point where he and Byron Murphy, who's technically the number two corner on the Cardinals right now, we're on the same high school team. Oh, damn. So, um, yeah. so it's, it was pretty wild. It's pretty wild to see, you know, two NFL guys were at one time on the same high school team here in Phoenix. Um, to, it doesn't really happen that... here in New Hampshire. You don't see <laughs> no, uh, no. anybody no. here in high school go on to play in the NFL. Football and high school football in Phoenix has become no joke. They play year round. I mean, if you look, you look at the BCS bowl games last year at the college level, mm. you know, almost every quarterback was from Phoenix, Spencer Rattler on Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. um, you got Brock Purdy, who was on Iowa state, uh, Slovis on USC. You know, you've got the, the Oregon starting quarterback was from here, you know, there were, and all of them <laughs> conveniently not playing for Arizona universities. They can't keep their, they, they, they can't, they can't keep the best talent here in state, except for Nikhil Harry. Yeah, right. Nikhil Harry was like the only guy that that Arizona State was able to keep in town. Took it out of him, I guess. The heat. Absolutely. Maybe there's your point right there. His four years at Arizona State, three years at Arizona State, sucked all the life out of him. So, (laughs) but uh, did you guys see the uh, the Pat Tillman tribute video in this game in this broadcast? Yeah, because this was the year that he he died. It was, and this was the first home game. This was the first home game since he had passed. Right, right, right. So yeah, yeah everyone uh, in the whole league was wearing the forty stickers. Yep. Yeah, Pat Tillman played for ASU before he played for the Cardinals, and so right. he's a legend here. Um, and even though I like we've you know well established, I'm not an Arizona State fan, but anyone who is a fan of football here in the state of Arizona is a Pat Tillman fan. He was a extremely all the stuff you hear and read about him was true. Extremely well liked, um, an unbelievably hardworking overachiever who was went from being a seventh round pick to a guy that was one of the you know more exciting safeties in the league that was you know gearing up to earn a nice second contract, and just nice. decided to hang it all up to go fight in the war after 9/11. So it's an unbelievable story, and it's sad to hear the conspiracy theories that have come from that um, since, but, uh, but there's an awesome statue out in front of the state farm stadium in, in Glendale where the Cardinals play of him right outside one of the entrances and his Jersey still to this day is one of the best selling Cardinals jerseys year in and year out. That's good. Yeah. Makes makes sense. They said he had something like 225 tackles in a season. Yeah. He was a monster. That's incredible. Yeah. He was, he was, that didn't seem like pro football reference doesn't have it that high, but it's like they only have his offensive stats, which is weird. Pat Tillman offensive stats. I don't know. Maybe I can't spell. 
Yeah. Well, what's crazy? <laughs> what's crazy is podcast, Greg. You goddamn stat check. Well, I mean, he's still in 2000. He had uh, 155 combined tackles, 118 solo for a safety. That's that's a lot. for a safety who was a linebacker in college. Right. That's not, that's insane. Yeah. Like this. This guy was, you know literally the person that you think of at least locally when you think of maximizing every ounce of your being to be as good as you can yeah he he was incredible and they still honor him regularly out here i mean every year asu football team does a a, a salute to service game and they always you know have a pat tillman reference just a few years ago everyone on the back of the asu football team instead of having their own name had tillman on the back of their jerseys um, they do what's called the Tillman run, which is a, I think it's a, a 5k oh, right. that goes from outside of Sun Devil stadium around Tempe and it ends, um, inside the stadium running on the field. That's and it's really always attended by thousands of thousands of people <laughs> raising money for the foundation that they've created, uh, the Tillman foundation. Um, so he is still someone to this day that is, honored and talked about regularly. That's the the type of impact that he had on the community out here. That's awesome. It's pretty, pretty crazy that of all games that, you know, we're talking about and looking back on, it's the first home game since he had been, you know, killed in action. It's just of, of all things, it seems pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. And that's kind of like why we started doing this podcast is because we like when we're experiencing it in real time, you're like, Oh, that's, that's a cool moment. But then you go back and rewatching like, I don't remember this at all. Like, I don't remember yeah. this being the first Arizona Cardinals home game since Pat Tillman died. You know, like that's, these are the things that almost get lost to, to history. Yeah, absolutely. What did Corey Dillon end up doing that season? Winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, you know. Outside of that. I mean, was he like. That's all that he... matters, Jared. Come on, man. You're on a piece of my cast. He only ran for 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns. He basically, he basically had the Randy Moss, you know, breakout with the new yeah. team season before Randy yes. Moss. Yes, yep. he was the original. Um, yeah, he he went off. And I think, it, spoiler alert, in the playoffs against the Colts, he kind of single-handedly won that game in the, in the slop. The Patriots controlled the ball for like 70% of the game or something ridiculous. Just well, now going. everyone knows how the season's ending, Andy. No one's going to listen to the rest of the episodes. <laughs> Steve, they'd have to well, you just him. said you won the Super oh. Bowl, Steve. So, like, gosh, I guess I could just fast yeah. forward to 20, 2005. Yeah. <laughs> just skip all the way to like 2016. You're fine, Damn, Steve. Um, so I want I want to touch on Gronk, but uh, just to kind of tie it into this game, um, Brady had a kind of an up and down game. He threw two picks that were bad interceptions. Well, um, what was the hail mary bullshit? Uh, that's true, yeah, but the other one was was bad. Yeah, that was bad. But he also threw two touchdowns, both to who I think was supposed to be the original Gronk, Daniel Graham, uh, who is one of those guys who I think had all the physical tools that Gronkowski had coming in the league, but could not catch a football to save his goddamn life. (laughs) Such bad hands. Yeah. So, but he managed to snag two in this one, uh, basically both off play action because Corey Dillon was running it down everybody's throat. Yeah. Um, one of us, yeah. that, one of us, but that first touchdown of the game, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 That play action. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is kind of the almost stereotypical touchdown of early Tom Brady career. 
is that mm-hmm. really hard play action with two tight ends and throw it to whoever's like from the goal line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah underneath the, underneath the, the um, goalpost there. And then the second one as pointed out by the commentators, which I had missed. So great kudos to them. Uh, the Patriots <laughs> missed Patrick pass on like a, you know, 10 yard touchdown. He just, mm. Tom Brady overthrew him. They just flipped the play and ran to the other side to Graham and he's oh. wide open. That's that's great. Just running the same play twice. Yeah, yeah. again. It worked the first time. I just see Bill Belichick being like, "Hey, you know what? Let's just run that same play again against these schmucks." It may have been great. Like, you know what? No, fuck. I'm gonna get it this time. But I want to. I want to do it to the right. Did he have I that those right. chops back then? After he had won Super Bowls, this when he got kind of those chops where he's like, "F it." It was really that first 2001. Since then, it's been coasting for him. Nah, I, th- I think he's just starting to get that "fuck you" attitude now. Like oh three, he was still struggling. Well, oh three, he played hurt through the whole thing because we, I, I completely forgot. In the last game of oh two, he was playing on a separated shoulder and then like reseparated it. So the whole oh three season, he was playing basically on a separated shoulder that hadn't fixed itself. Um, so this is like the first year he's he's like officially healthy and knows the system and everything. So I think this is the start of the the fuck you, Tom Brady. But he still doesn't quite look like today's Tom Brady. Where he just no, knows what's going to happen all the time. There. Belichick, though, he's getting close to fuck you mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still wearing polos at this point, so he's not there yet in this game. <laughs> that's, that's true. He doesn't have the hoodie going. He's in a, a nice golf for a polo. Hoodie, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right? It's only 109 on the field, everybody. It's nice yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think the just to kind of sum this game up, it was... Um, just uh, Patriots keeping it closer than it should be because they kept doing stupid turnovers and the Cardinals not taking any of those turnovers and doing anything with them because... But except for putting Neil Rackers on the field and kicking field right. goals. Yeah. He was their offense. He was awesome. Okay. I know you guys think it's like ridiculous that we're talking about kickers here. Oh, we get but, it in New England. But we understand you, you should kickers. get it. You should yeah. get it with the, you know, the career and Adam Vinatieri had, he yeah. was the kicker for you guys this season. Neil Rackers was a drive saver for this team for a number of years and kept them in a lot of games. And, and, and it was just, you know, as much as this team didn't amount to much during this era, I mean, you forget, you know, they, they did make the Super Bowl in 2007. Um, so this just a few years away from that where Rackers was the kicker and they made that playoff run. But like right. when you're a young trying to figure it out team, uh, having a kicker that could, you know, was automatic from 55 plus was a big deal. Not to mention he was, according to many, more handsome than Tom Brady, you know? So, <laughs> so it just, the Cardinals had to have something going for it. They might as well have a supercharged, you know, create a player style kicker that had amazing looks. <laughs> it's like me playing Madden. Yeah. Kicker. Exactly. Brown. In head, Jared. One guy we work with, he's a Bills fan. His favorite player is Brian Mormon, the punter. Of course. Yeah. So, so Bill, like we said, Bills fans have it worse. They don't even have kickers they can root for. It's just punters. <laughs> which is i'm surprised you guys slightly worse speaking of punters scott player the cardinals punter the last guy left in the nfl to wear the single bar helmet oh, he's yeah. in this game looks like <laughs> such a goober those those are the dumbest helmets they they didn't do anything because like it's like it's like a chin strap yeah it's like it was a basically chin a chin strap yeah at that point can you just strap. not wear one or is it like part of the nfl rules you have to have a 
You have to have a, a face mask. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. This will do. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like I, I get like, it's just in, in all aspects of life. There are certain things where it's like, you know, you want to wear stuff that maybe is a little off or different because it speaks to who you are. And then there are some things that are just so awful looking that <laughs> yeah. it's like, just even if you're trying to go for something here, just don't do it. Right. And the Scott player single bar, like the Cardinals would have the last guy ever to wear the single <laughs> bar helmet. Like those are the types of things that the Cardinals have in NFL history. See, Where does the shirt fit on that continuum then? Yeah, that's <laughs> that shirt is it's up there, but um, <laughs> if as but awesome it, and who you are and just like a part of, yeah, <laughs> it, it does absolutely. say a lot about you, Steve. Let's say yes, that. Yes. <laughs> Let's uh, just say yeah, I, I, think, I, I think that face mask is second worst only to, uh, I believe it was a San Diego punter at the time he had, it was like the thin double bar, but at like the top of it, like where it would like go over his eyes kind of like raised up is almost like his face mask had raised eyebrows. So it gave the whole helmet <laughs> a quizzical look. And every time I look at it, I couldn't help. I had to laugh at it. It's the most ridiculous looking helmet. Like, why do you need that to go up? So it's, is it so it's, is it blocking your view? I don't understand. Like it's a insulation, Andy. Come on. But it, it's, it's the dumbest face mask I've ever seen. Hunters are so weird. If we're talking yeah, about helmets too, can we talk yeah. about how Larry Fitzgerald has the same hunter helmet in this game than he still does to yeah. this most recent that retro like Revo helmet, you know, yeah. that was super cool and trendy at the time. And now yep. literally no one else has except for Larry. It's just him. He's been grandfathered and nobody else is allowed to wear those anymore. Probably not even yeah. probably not. Amazing. Yeah. I, I think Larry Fitzgerald in this game, they were already talking about how he was like the yeah. focal point of the game, two games, uh, the focal point of the offense, two games in and the Patriots were oh, double teaming him every play. Yeah, Ty Law on him. Yeah, that's, that's pretty know. cool. What a, what a kind of looking back on it. What a cool matchup. Right. Yeah. Um, a good Ooh, example of looking for the commentators. Uh-uh, one of the guys with the least amount of experience being covered by one of the guys with the most talking about the Ty Law Larry Fitzgerald matchup. What great commentary. Well, just looking back, it is because like yeah, now Fitzgerald is forever old. I mean, Ty Law wasn't exactly on the back nine of his career. I don't even say most. <laughs> Yeah, but he was well accomplished at that point. So it's just, you know, when you think about, you know, some cool matchups that, you know, have transpired over the years, you know, people love to talk about, you know, what if Jordan could have played against LeBron, you know, like, like, you know, it would have been really cool to see Ty Law in his prime against Larry in his prime. They actually got to face off against each other, though, in this game. And it's and it's pretty cool. Yeah, It just would have been good to have Larry have a quarterback that could throw to him. Fitzgerald's probably played against Ty Law all the way up to Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, he has. <laughs> That's impressive. That that is pretty impressive. Oh man! All right, what else we got? Uh, you want to do best and worst? I just want to see if there's anything else in here. Throw out, you know, the name Bertrand Barry was a Pro Bowler. You know, yes. was Pro Bowler for the Denver Broncos, Pro Bowler for the Cardinals, the only Pro Bowler for the Cardinals in this season. I think he got to Larry or got to Brady in this game. Yeah. So uh shout out to Bert the B train getting the getting in on the action against the Pats. Yeah, he had he had a hell of a season. He had uh 14 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles on the season mm-hmm. this year. There was a guy who also had a sack named Ross Colodeje, K O L O D Z I E J. Nailed it. 
<laughs> they said it. I couldn't get it, but like, yeah, I'll, I, I, know some... I was like, man, that guy's sitting there being like, I sacked Tom Brady, and everyone's like, no, you didn't, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> he's pretty, like, he probably, yeah. Steve, he probably has a podcast about the same game, <laughs> and he just talks about on repeat that time that he sacked Tom Brady. It's called tombrady.com. But there was some Perfect. great, there was a couple of great names in this, um, that I that I came across, uh, the fullback. Obafemi Ayambadejo. Badejo. Yep. Ayambadejo. Yep. Yeah. That's a great fucking name. Yep. Uh, and also Pepe Zellner was Pepe. Pepe Zellner. Yep. What a great name. Pepe had a few quarterback uh, hurries in this, the first half of this game. Yeah. Yeah. He was a solid defensive end, but every time they said Pepe Zellner, he couldn't help but smirk a little. You know, chuckle a little bit, right? Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Bring some levity to the situation that is. Take it easy. <laughs> um, oh, one last note before we do best and worst. Uh, with this win, New England moves to 17 wins in a row on their way to their record setting. Uh, that would tie the 76-77 Oakland Raiders. Uh, 18 is the record held by a few teams. One, two, three, four, five teams. Most recently, Denver. Uh, the 97-98 Denver team that cheated their way past the um, salary cap. Good for them. Uh, the 89-90 San Francisco 49ers, which I think that was like the Steve Young switchover. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a transition um, to Steve Young. Obviously, the 72 Dolphins, they went 16-0 and then won the next two games in 73, I think. Or maybe, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and let's then, asterisk this because this is regular season wins. Yeah. Isn't it? No. This now is including postseason. Yeah. I thought the NFL does all the records in regular season wins because you have to. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, but the, the last two on this are the 33-30. Here's an asterisk for you. The 33-34 and 41-42 Chicago Bears. Whoa. Wow. Pre, pre-NFL Chicago Bears <laughs> when there was still an AFL to compete with them. Yeah, each game was like two to one. Yeah. Speaking of things that transpired, um, you know, you guys talked about all these records. Two things that happened to the Cardinals this season were two losses to the 49ers who didn't beat any other teams that season. They went two and 14. They went two and 14. (laughs) So if say, you know, the Cardinals, you know, pull something out of their ass and beat the worst team in football, um, (laughs) they would have finished eight and eight. And the Rams finished eight and eight that season and made the playoffs. And the Cardinals split with the Rams that season. I, I'm not going to do a deep enough dive to know if they had the tiebreaker with the Rams. But it would have been close. If the Cardinals could have found a way to figure out to beat the worst team in the NFL, <laughs> um, which I think led to them drafting Alex Smith one overall. I'm pretty sure that's the oh, draft. Um, yeah. I could be wrong. I'm just going off the top of the brain here. But if they could have figured out a way to do that, they might have made the playoffs that year. And we're talking about a playoff team that the Patriots beat in week two on yeah. the road, as opposed to ha ha, this was a whatever Cardinals win or a, a win over the Cardinals, you know? So just another fun little tidbit for you to talk about how glorious the season was. <laughs> you were correct. Uh, pick number one overall, San Francisco 49ers, Alex Smith. And before that I watched Alex Smith, coached by Urban Meyer, play in the Fiesta Bowl. I was at that game in person. Oh, damn. Damn. Yeah. 
just round and round we go. <laughs> yeah. Arizona Cardinals picked uh, Antrell Roll. Great pick. Who was big time, big time player again? Like uh, mm-hmm. that that stretch of the, those two drafts were like the groundwork for a defense that got the Cardinals all the way to the Super Bowl just yeah. a few years later. And this so, is another great draft too, though. Alex Smith, Ronnie Brown, Braylon Edwards, Adam Jones, Pac-Man Jones, Antrell Roll, Carlos Rogers. Demarcus Ware, Sean Merriman, Jamal Brown from the Saints. Always offense. We're in week two of season 2004. Andy's already talking about the 05 draft. Jesus. Patriots number 32, Logan Mankins. <laughs> stalwart. Another guy. <laughs> <laughs> These are some solid drafts back in those days. Yeah, we'll get to that though, right, Steve? Yes, Andy. All right. So uh, um, just to explain to Jared, uh, growing up around the around the dinner table. <laughs> Our parents used to make us do um, best and worst for your days. You have to pick a best and a worst that happened. So we, we've carried that into the, the podcast where you we just. Well, glad to join the, the Brown game. family dinner here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you just. Uh, so we'll start with Steve. Steve, give me your, uh, your best and worst from this game. Uh, my best was I could just hear this highlight on primetime. <laughs> they, they tried to pitch to Corey Dillon and he like fumbled it. He didn't even catch it really. Um, <laughs> The Cardinals pick it up, but like there's two of them running down the <laughs> sidelines, like big boys, both trying to pick it up and run at the same time. And they're like bumping into each other. And I can just hear Chris Berman going, rumbling, rumbling, rumbling. You know? yeah, exactly. That was the best. It was also a worst because that was a. Sh- yeah. Yeah. That was one of those terrible turnovers that. Pretty bad. Like the, yeah, the uh, Cardinals hadn't done anything. And they had like 13 total yards of offense. And yet they're still in field goal range because. Corey Dillon, yeah, your superstar running back, can't catch a pitch. Like 30 yards and six points. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty impressive. <laughs> On field goals. Not even not bad, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then I saw a gif of Romeo Cornell doing the voodoo thing. You know, that's like a famous Belichick gif. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Came from this game. Yeah. No, I snagged that. That'll be on the website. Nice. Good call. And, hey, connection for you. Romeo Cornell's defensive coordinator when he became the head coach of the, was it the Chiefs? Clan, Clan, was it the Browns? Oh, no, I think you're right. Maybe it was the Chiefs. It was, was uh, yeah, it was when he, when he became the head coach of the Chiefs, was uh, Clancy Pendergast, who was the Cardinals defensive coordinator in this game. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Another great name. Clancy, Clancy Pendergast. Pendergast. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I didn't have too much more of the worse outside of the. the Patriots inability to really put the Cardinals away. Yeah. There was a worse for the Cardinals where <laughs> they, they had like a, they're in their own end zone. You have that look that so many people have when they talk about Cardinals <laughs> games. Just, if you could just take a screen grab, this isn't good podcasting right now because they're not looking at you, but you just have this look where it's just like, Oh, it's just, come Oh, come on. It's like, like, it's, it's like a smile just shit on the rug. You're like, it's, oh, like, it's like cute, but you're being obnoxious. It's yeah. Like, I could have done without that, you yeah. know, gosh. So continue Steve, but I just, I wanted you to capture that face because yeah. that is the face of a Cardinals fan. So it's like third and 15, they get sacked, but oh, there's an offside. Oh, we get to run another play. Thrown interceptions. Just like, oh, God damn, we should just take him, just decline the offsides, taking the sack and punted. Punted, you know? yeah. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, well, no, because didn't he, they threw an interception and then uh, it got called back for defensive holding on, I think, Ty Law. 
And then, so the very next play, and that was like third and long. So the very next play is like third and less long. And McCown or McCowan, however you want to pronounce it, decides to just chuck it six feet over a double covered Larry Fitzgerald into Eugene Arms waiting arms um, for his second reception in two plays. Yeah, and this one didn't get called back. Yeah, that was. That I think was the Patriots take that and score a touchdown, and it's it's starting to look and then out of hand, and then they kept fumbling the ball, coughing it up, and letting the Cardinals a little bit back into it. Yeah, yeah, it's a not a good not a good look. Uh, yeah, all right, uh, Jared, you want to give us your best and worst? Sure, I'll do it from a Cardinals perspective. Um, the best, you know, easy one we talked about the honoring of. Pat Tillman, pretty cool watching that back and uh, seeing the decals. And the worst was a play, and I think it was the second drive of the game, where it's just a flawlessly executed screen play to Patrick Pass, who runs for about 25, 30 yards and fumbles the ball forward for another 20. And there's three Cardinals right there to recover it. And yet somehow was it was it Dion Branch? Yeah, the comes out of, receiver we had comes out of nowhere and ends up with the ball inside the ten yard line. So it ended up being like a fifty five yard play. I can't remember. You know, Tasker yeah. probably made something up on that play of the amount of yards that it ended up covering. But, oh yeah. But that that was a I guess a microcosm for the rest of the game, where even when the Patriots were making mistakes and were trying to lose the game, They're you know the Cardinals best. would just the Cardinals would just be like, nah, you you take the win, you you can have it, you can have it. So the uh, the Patrick pass fumble forward for another fifteen plus yards to get inside the ten first and goal, which led to a that first play action touchdown that we referenced was probably my was probably my worst. From That's the a game. really good one, yeah. I'd, I'd yeah, they went from the forty-six yard line to the seven. Yeah, yeah, and half of that. Was and, and you know what? And guess what? <laughs> that screenplay was so well executed that it probably could have happened like that without the fumble. Yeah, but oh, yeah. he decided to basically just throw the ball <laughs> forward another 10, 15 yards, and his boy Dion Branch was there to get it. It worked. That's what you got to do. Flawless execution there. <laughs> just like they wrote it up. Uh, all right. Let's see. My best um, was probably the fact that this was uh, after having suffered through the run game of last season where the pages were, I think, 29th in the league with Mm -hmm. an old broken down Antoine Smith. This is the first time the Patriots had a 100-yard receiver and a 100-yard rusher in the same game since 1997. Ooh, doggy. Steve, can you name either of those players? Oh, boy. One of them should be pretty easy. The rusher or the receiver? The rusher. 97. Oh, Robert Edwards. No. God damn it. It's your boy. <laughs> yeah, Curtis Martin. and My uh, favorite Martin? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Sean Jefferson was Sean the wide Jeff- receiver oh my to God. go over 100 yards. Uh, yeah. Uh, Charger Hall of Famer, Sean Jefferson. His career there. Um, let's see. Uh, I have like a mixed best and worst. Okay, later on. And me. it was Dennis Green. Uh, the best was that they shared this fact that when Dennis Green was coaching the Vikings, the ball boy on that team. Oh yeah, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's right. Also. True story. Yeah, so that that's kind of the best. The worst, uh, when Denny Green was coaching in college at Northeastern, Northwestern rather, 
Um, on that on that Northwestern team, Steve Tasker. <laughs> That's your worst. And they showed it. <laughs> but well, they they yeah. So they put up this. They put up the picture, and uh, Don Cricky goes, "What's this?" <laughs> <laughs> and Steve's like, "Oh well, let me tell you." It just obviously like it hey, didn't just see him up. And also, it was funny because for some reason, like the the video that we have to watch this, um, in the second half, all of a sudden, like they they were having trouble with the audio or something, but you could actually hear the guy who was probably in their ear, the commentators. So oh. you you started to hear like the countdown. It's like oh, going to commercial in six, five, four, and then you oh, hear them no. like do the thing to go to commercial. I'm like oh, that this is brutal. Is- so bad but and then they did it for the steve tasker thing like tasker in three two and they went to it and cricket's like what's this <laughs> oh garrett is cringing hard right now oh, oh gosh that's just that shouldn't happen so, that should not happen yeah not at this level of the game 2004 you know it's a different time professionals it's, both of them all right um so we have one last thing to announce. Uh, last last week we had uh, Jeff Howe on from the Athletic, and he, uh, in honor of him, on we, we said we're going to give away a year long Athletic subscription for uh, a randomly selected person who wrote us a review of the podcast, uh, good or bad, and then texted the hotline to let us know that it was you that, that left the review. Um, so. Picking randomly was was pretty easy because we got one review <laughs> over the past three weeks, um, and of course that would uh, be our mother who figured out technology enough to be able to <laughs> leave a review. So um, thanks, mom. She, yes. So thank you for that. She told us. Uh, she told me the other day not to buy it for her. We didn't need to waste the money, but she's getting it because we are. Well, I am a man of my word. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Vouch for my either of my brothers. Yeah, don't don't love me with that, Andy. So no, yes. Yeah, so we'll be giving mom a <laughs> buy my mother. Mom. Yeah, I'll buy my mother a subscription to the athletic for a year. So congrats Good for to her. Mama Brown. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Did she text the Dynasty Hotline to let you know? She did, yeah. Okay. Well, she she did it twice. She texted me first to say she did it, uh, and she hadn't. So I had to let her know that no, you haven't left a review. Oh, so she. Like, oh, damn! I forgot to hit the submit button. Oh, got it. Got uh, it. So, so she texted first and then left the review. Yeah, uh, and then texted again afterwards, being like, "I think I got it this time." Yeah, good work, mom. Yeah. So, very nice. So yeah, so Mama Brown, winner of that. Um, and thanks to everybody for listening and and not telling us what you think of us. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, no news is good news, I guess. So we'll keep doing this. <laughs> We're not doing it for the reviews. We're doing it for mom, clearly. <laughs> At this point, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been yet another thrilling episode of the Pages Dynasty podcast. I think this one actually was. Yeah. Um, thank you, Jared, for joining us. We all Thanks for having me. Um, when we have kind of other perspectives of, of uh, these games that we kind of remember but don't remember. Um, so that was really cool. Absolutely. Steve, next week. I don't even know. <laughs> we, 
one of these days you're going to shock the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. And be like, oh, yeah, no, they're playing this. I remember no. this game. I was there. Uh, we are traveling to Ralph Wilson Stadium, going uh, back across country. Yeah, from the desert to the frozen tundra. Uh, pretty much. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, it was 58 degrees in this next game in Buffalo. <laughs> Down from 109. So 89 to 58, it's not even that big. Unseasonably <laughs> cool, and then unseasonably warm. Boom. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> so. It could be worse. So I'm going to visit the uh, winless Buffalo Bills in their hometown, and we'll see how how they do there. But all right. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. And we will see you next week on the Patriots Dynasty Podcast. See you later. See you later.